Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Mark chapter 14, verses 27 to 31, and verses 66 to 72. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. As we continue our journey toward Resurrection Sunday this year, we are considering four world-changing days as recorded in the Gospel of Mark. These four days represent the final four days of life on earth for Jesus Christ. So much happened during these four days of Passion Week. The Gospel of Mark slows way down to take in all of this action and all of Jesus' words. We find in every event Jesus' love for the Father, his commitment and faithfulness to the Father's will, and his deep love and mercy toward his disciples both then and now. The disciples had just experienced their last Passover meal with their rabbi, Jesus. What a meal it was. It began with Jesus, the master, washing his disciples' feet. During the meal, Jesus deviated from the traditional words and symbolism of the Jewish Passover that had been celebrated by the Israelites for 1,400 years. What has become known as the Last Supper changed the meaning of the bread, the wine, and the lamb. Jesus became the centerpiece of the meal as the Lamb of God who was soon to be sacrificed so that all who believe in him might have life forever. The bread became the symbol of his broken body. The wine became the symbol of his blood poured out for many. Ultimately, Jesus had ushered in the new covenant between God and his people. Also during the meal, Jesus revealed that one of the 12 would betray him. And Judas later runs out of the meal to finish what he had started. As Jesus and the 11 disciples left the upper room that night where they had celebrated the Passover, they began to walk down out of the old city of Jerusalem into the Kidron Valley toward the Mount of Olives. As they walked and talked, Jesus shocked them with more disappointing news. Let's pick up the story there in Mark chapter 14, verses 27 to 31. Mark 14, verses 20, uh, 30, 27 to 31. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, 
before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. You might remember from a couple of weeks ago that early Christian tradition claims that Mark's main source for writing his gospel was Simon Peter. If this is accurate, the stories told by Mark were Peter's own stories retold by Peter himself. What we can easily see in Mark's gospel is that the person of Peter is prominently on display from start to finish. Peter often challenged Jesus. When Peter predicted his upcoming death and resurrection in Mark chapter 8, verse 32, Peter even rebuked Jesus. Now, in Mark chapter 14, we hear Jesus surprising everyone when he stated, you will all fall away, in verse 27. Not just Judas, who betrayed Jesus, all the disciples, including Peter, would fall away. In Mark chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus quoted Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7, when God said, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Jesus quoted this passage, it seems, in order to show that this falling away was prophesied many centuries before, that it does not surprise God and that the actions of the disciples would not thwart God's plan of salvation. The Greek word translated will fall away in Mark chapter 14, verse 27, is the origin of our English verb scandalize. The same verb is used in Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the seeds in the four types of soil. The seed that fell on the rocky places sprung up quickly because the soil is shallow. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched and withered. Jesus said that this was like people who hear God's word and receive it with joy, but because they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble and persecution comes, he said, they quickly fall away. The disciples would be like the seed falling on rocky soil. They would abandon Jesus and fall away as soon as things got tough. Don't you love how honest the word of God is? There are no hidden missteps by the disciples. The failure, failures of the disciples are for the whole world to see. And in Peter's case, maybe even Peter telling his own story honestly so that the world could see. Jesus prophesied that they would all fall away. Peter told his own story of falling away to Mark, who would later put it in writing that would last for 2,000 years. While it is sad to see and to read these 12 all falling from grace, the truth is good for us to hear. We know that God's grace is greater than our sin. There is a way to be reconciled to the Father on the other side of sin. There was hope for the disciples, and there's hope for you and for me today. 
The hope appears in the very next verse, Mark chapter 14, verse 28. Jesus said, after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. The failure of the disciples would not be the last word. Let me say it again. The failure of the disciples would not be the last word. Jesus reiterates what he has said before. Not only will he be killed, but after three days, he would be raised to life. Jesus would not remain in the grave. I want to focus in on the words, I will go ahead of you. Jesus had reconciliation on his mind with these words. He had said, you will all fall away, but after my resurrection, I will go ahead of you to Galilee, implying that Jesus had a plan for his disciples. Jesus wanted his fall away disciples to return to him. It was in Galilee, you see, where Jesus, the story of Jesus had started, where he proclaimed the dawning of the kingdom of God. It was in Galilee where the disciples first heard the call of Jesus and followed him. What started in Galilee would continue because the resurrected Jesus would be present. The fact that Jesus would go before the disciples is what we call provenient grace. God's gracious love goes before us. He comes to us while we were still far away from him in our sins. He doesn't wait until we get our lives cleaned up. He comes to us in our sin and awakens us to our need for him. Jesus promised that after he had risen, he would go ahead of the disciples to Galilee, ahead of them, calling them back to Jesus. The dialogue between Peter and Jesus in Mark chapter 14, verses 29 to 31 demonstrates an overly confident Peter. With indignant self-righteousness, Peter confidently proclaimed that even if all the rest of Jesus' followers would fall away, he himself would stand loyal and faithful to Jesus. While Peter spoke with such boldness, it would only be a few hours before he would disown Jesus three times. The words of Jesus are very emphatic about the shortness of time, Today, Jesus said, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me. Peter strongly denied any possibility of his own failure or disloyalty to Jesus. Before the night was over, Peter would deny three times that he even knew Jesus at all. Let me remind us that anyone can stumble and fall in the path of following Jesus. We certainly do not have to fall, but we can. On this side of Pentecost, we know that God's spirit has been poured out on believers and can transform the heart so that our first inclination is to obey Jesus. But the possibility for failure and sin is still present. We should be cautious in any bold attempt to say that we cannot fall. The good news is that failure does not need to be final. By God's grace, we can be reconciled to the Father. The scene ends with Jesus and his disciples entering the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's now skip forward in the Word of God to Mark chapter 14, 
verses 66 to 72. Before we read these verses, let's remember what happened between our two passages for today. Jesus encountered the darkest night of his life in Gethsemane. There he determined to do the will of the Father, no matter what. Victory was won in the garden. Jesus was then arrested, and his disciples were scattered as he had foretold. Jesus was taken to the home of the high priest, where he was interrogated before the chief priests, the elders, and the teachers of the law. Peter followed from a distance to see what would happen with his master. Mark chapter 14, verses 66 to 72 now follows. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near uh, said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed, the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Jesus had been arrested in Gethsemane and taken for a preliminary hearing before the high priest and his council members. While Jesus was being questioned, the arresting crowd had gathered in the courtyard and had built a fire to keep themselves warm. Peter had also gathered with the crowd near the fire to stay warm and to see what would happen. To Peter's credit, he was the only disciple who stayed near enough to Jesus during the trial to even see what was going on. The servant girl of the high priest recognized Peter and accused him as being someone who was with that Nazarene Jesus. Mark chapter 14, verse 67. Peter's first response to the girl's comment seemed to be a partial denial. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said in verse 68. Peter, identified near the glow of the fire, moved further away so he wouldn't get identified again. The servant girl was not about to give up. Encountering Peter again, she said, this fellow is one of them. Mark chapter 14, verse 69. Again, Peter denied that he knew Jesus. Finally, a third denial came when not just the servant girl brought an accusation, but those standing near Peter noticed his Galilean accent. They said in verse 70, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. And the third time, Peter denied Jesus, this time in his strongest words yet, calling down curses. Peter said in verse 71, I don't know this man you're talking about. 
let me point out a few things that are important for us to see. First, Mark carefully portrayed Peter's denials before the common people of the courtyard as taking place simultaneously with Jesus' faithfulness during his trial before the Jewish ruling council. Let me say it this way. While Jesus was being accused and challenged by the powerful high priest and the council, Peter was accused and challenged by the priest's powerless female servant. Likewise, while Jesus stood firm and fast under the penetrating scrutiny of the bloodthirsty Jewish authorities, Peter crumbled and collapsed under the slightest weight of pressure and accusation. The contrast that Mark portrayed between Jesus and Peter are vivid and deliberate. Second, when Peter called down curses in Mark chapter 14, verse 71, the Greek does not have an object. It may mean that Peter denied Jesus under oath and called down curses on himself. Another interpretation may mean that Peter actually pronounced a curse on Jesus. Years later, when Christians faced official persecution from the Romans, cursing Christ was considered proof positive that a person was not a Christian. Peter's failure here was abysmal and complete. Third, I want to connect together three events of Peter's life. In the Garden of Gethsemane that we talked about last week, Peter failed three times to stay awake, to pray, and to watch. Here in Caiaphas's courtyard, Peter failed three times by denying he knew Jesus. Please know that victory over temptation is often gained beforehand in our persistent prayer life. And of course, later on in the, on the seashore, the risen Lord restored Peter when he asked Peter three times, do you love me? When Peter recognized the magnitude of his failure in denying Christ, he broke down and wept bitterly. Even though the passage for this week ends at this tragic place in Mark chapter 14, verse 72, by the grace of God, the story was not over. Jesus was prepared to deal with the damage of displaced loyalty and even blatant denial because his love knows no limits. If we were to take a trip today to the Holy Lands together, wouldn't that be fun? We would likely visit some very beautiful churches with significant histories. We might visit the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem and see the place where many think Jesus was born. We might visit the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem and see the place where many believe Jesus was buried. Considering today's lesson, we might consider stepping just outside the old city of Jerusalem to see the church of St. Peter in Galicantu. Galicantu comes from the Latin expression that means the rooster crows. The church stands on the site where Caiaphas's palace is believed to have stood. In the middle of the chapel, there's a hole that opens into a deep pit 
called the sacred pit. The sacred pit is believed to be the dungeon where Jesus was held before he was brought to trial before Caiaphas. On the primary dome of the church of St. Peter in Galicantu, there stands a cross with a golden rooster atop it. The symbolism depicts the scene where Peter denied Jesus three times and immediately a rooster crowed twice. One might say, how sad that this church points to Peter's failure. Another way to consider it is to say that this church stands as a witness to Christ's mercy, faithfulness, forgiveness, and restoration. For you see, everyone has fallen away at some point. But please know this, failure does not need to be the final word when God's grace is available to you and to me today. During this Lenten season, some of us need to be reminded of God's grace in our lives by remembering that rooster atop the cross. Others of us might need to receive Christ's wonderful grace today, knowing that Jesus has risen and gone before us to Galilee, calling us back to him. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org slash podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.